Hello, my friends. First, let me apologize for the lull. There's been a whole lot going on in my world, so I'm sorry that I have not been as consistent as I would like, but I thank you for tuning in. I thank you for subscribing and rating and sharing. I'm so grateful for just the support and the engagement. It means a whole lot to me, and I'm thankful that you feel empowered and helped and get a new sense of perspective when you listen. That was really my main goal is to challenge the way that we think. And I'm being challenged on a daily basis. And I think it's important that we share what we're learning about ourselves, about one another, about God. That's how we grow. And so thank you for your engagement. I also want to apologize if you happen to hear any background noise. I'm doing laundry and I'm in the living room. So you might hear all kind of sounds. So I apologize for that. But I just wanted to talk. I guess this is something that God has really kind of been drilling into me is not being scatterbrained and not being double-minded. And so I just wanted to share from that topic. I initially was going to have episode 5B about race relations. I recorded it about two or three weeks ago. Just speaking on the current social climate, speaking a little bit on politics, speaking a little bit about experiences that I've had as of late as far as race relations in this country are concerned and how being a black woman in America and being married to a black man in America greatly shapes what my experience is and just wanting to share how we can be more unified and giving people who are not of color tips on how to relate with people of color, what things to say, what things to kind of stray away from, and just like really practically how to check your heart. Um, And this is not just for non-people of color, this is for all of us, because I think learning how to relate to one another is important. And the moment we say like, take me as I am and this is this is what I do and this is how I've always done it and I'm not I'm not down to evolve or to grow or to learn that's when the state of our relationships kind of just plummet and so I think our chief and most important relationship should be the one that we have with God and through that relationship it should shape all other relationships that may be the next episode I'm just going to be prayerful about it I need to listen to it again because I was super passionate about it at the time. I'm still passionate about it, but I just want to make sure that my messaging is right. So yeah, we'll, we'll, (laughs) we'll get on that. But the main point is just to be prayerful about the way that we relate to one another and the way that we respond to one another and to make sure that it's always our words are seasoned with salt and that we're being loving and, and we're really engaging the Holy Spirit in the way that we do life. We can't do it by ourselves. And so that means that we have to be conscious of the things that we say and how we say them and who we're listening to. I think that's huge, too. So I have, first of all, some of my favorite scriptures come from James 1. There's just something really sweet about James 1, something very sweet and very convicting about the language. And for the first time, This morning, I read James 1 in the message translation, and it literally blew my mind. And so 
I think I'm going to begin to delve into this whole idea of having the mind of Christ and what it means to to be submitted in the way that we think, what it means to hold every thought captive and bring it to God and what that practically looks like. When I have a thought that I know doesn't come from the heart of God, is not indicative of the heart of God, isn't proven in the word of God, then I take that thought and I say, Lord, do what you will with this. I don't want to keep this. I don't want to ponder on this. I don't want to dwell on this. I don't I don't want to manifest anything from this thought. I want to give it to you. And so that takes a lot of discipline and a lot of wisdom and a lot of mindfulness. And I think mindfulness is really, really, really important. It's, it's important to think about what you're thinking about, the metadata. It's important to chew on what it is that you are taking in because the subconscious doesn't filter anything. You've got to have the presence of mind to, like I said, hold those thoughts captive and bring them under the submission of God. In therapy, Kelly and I learned that we should put our thoughts on trial and let God be the judge. And that's a really great exercise to just see, okay, my habits and my ways and my perspective, they've all been shaped by this one thought. And it turns out that this thought is an actual lie. So I need to put this thing to death. I don't ever need to pick this thing back up again. It's unlawful for me to have this thought. Um, And I think that kind of approach to thoughts can change your life. The word says that we should be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so that word renewing is active. It's a daily thing. I have to daily check myself. And so I want to read to you guys James 1 in the message translation. I typically read the word either in the New King James Version or the New Living Translation. And every now and then I'll read the message just to give me like that extra oomph. Like the, the message translation definitely puts some sauce on it. Um, definitely. And for those of you who are not familiar with the message translation, it's it's kind of like the word in layman's terms with language that we understand that we can relate to. I'm going to start in verse two because the first verse is just an introduction. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. If you don't know what you're doing, pray to the Father. He loves to help. You'll get his help and won't be condescended to when you ask for it. Ask boldly, believingly, without a second thought. Prosperity is as short-lived as a wildflower, so don't ever count on it. You know that as soon as the sun rises, pouring down its scorching heat, the flower withers, its petals wilt, and before you know it, that beautiful face is a barren stem. Well, that's a picture of the prosperous life. At the very moment everyone is looking on it, At the very moment everyone is looking on in admiration, it fades away to nothing. Anyone who meets a testing challenge head-on and manages to stick it out is mighty fortunate. For such persons, loyally in love with God, the reward is life and more life. Don't let anyone under pressure to give in to evil say, God is trying to trip me up. God is impervious to evil and puts evil in no one's way. The temptation to give in to evil comes from us and only us. We have no one to blame 
but the leering, seducing flare-up of our own lust. Lust gets pregnant and has a baby. Sin. Sin grows up to adulthood and becomes a real killer. So, my dear friends, don't get thrown off course. Every desirable and beneficial gift comes out of heaven. The gifts are rivers of light cascading down from the Father of light. There is nothing deceitful in God, nothing two-faced, nothing fickle. He brought us to life using the true word, showing us off as the crown of all his creatures. Post this at all the intersections, dear friends. Lead with your ears. Follow up with your tongue and let anger straggle along in the rear. God's righteousness does not grow from human anger. So throw all spoiled virtue and cancerous evil in the garbage. In simple humility, let our gardener, God, landscape you with the word, making a salvation garden of your life. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you're a listener when you are anything but. Letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and two minutes later have no idea who they are, what they look like. But whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, the free life, even out of the corner of his eye, and sticks with it, is no distracted scatterbrain, but a man or woman of action. That person will find delight and affirmation in the action. Anyone who sets himself up as quote-unquote religious by talking a good game is self-deceived. This kind of religion is hot air and only hot air. Real religion, the kind that passes muster before God the Father, is this. Reach out to the homeless and loveless in their plight and guard against corruption from the godless world. So I encourage you to read that in a few different translations. But, and I know it's quite weighty, but here's the gist that I get. Number one, be super humble. Understand that you don't have it all together. Have faith in the fact that when you go through various trials, it's never in vain. It's never just for naught. When you go through trials, it's building something up in you. And so the way that you approach trials will change. The older you get and the more trials that you go through, the stronger you get, the wiser you become. And so it's this process of letting God mold you and letting God work with you and letting God heal you and change you that develops this perseverance and this character that develops really identity. And so we can't be tossed about. When we're tossed about, we shouldn't expect anything from God. That's what the word says in James in another translation. Like, you're fickle. You, you don't even have your bearings about yourself. So how do you expect anything from God when you don't even know what you want in the first place? You don't even know who you are. The concept of being a scatterbrain is really, really counterproductive. Um, and it's counter what God created us to be. We have the power to have laser-like focus. We have the power and the capacity to put our minds to something and stick with it. And so I love that part where it says like, even if you catch what God is showing you out of the corner of your eye, if you hold on to what you saw, he's going to prosper you. You're going to receive fruit from that. And so going back to what it means to have the mind of Christ, I think about this concept of being childlike. 
I know that that concept can be misconstrued sometimes because it's like, well, no, like we're supposed to matriculate in the faith. We're supposed to be mature. We're supposed to, you know, be all learned and all intelligent and all well-spoken. And what does it mean to be childlike? Well, it just means to have this this amazement, this wonderment of, of who God is, this awe and this reverence that God, the God of the universe is intimately involved and actively obsessed and infatuated with me, actively engaged in my growth and my development as an individual and absolutely pleased with his workmanship. Not because I've done anything or I haven't done anything, but because he made me. God's arms are so long. There's no place that you can go where he won't be there, where his arm can't reach and bring you back into himself. There's this misnomer, this misconception, this idea that some of us get so wrapped up in our sin that we are so far removed from God and the things of God and the purposes of God that we might as well not even try to get back in his quote unquote good graces. We might, we might as well not even try to come back into the fold. We might as well not even try to step back into church. We might as well not even try to ask for prayer. We might as well not even try to submit and to repent because we're too far gone. And that's a lie. <laughs> that's a lie. The lover of your soul is just that. No matter what state your soul might be in, it never wavers his love. It never changes his love. He's steadfast. So I think having a childlike approach to the things of God just means like, I trust you. I'm submitted to you. I know that I can't drive because I'm just a kid. So anywhere we go, you have to be in the driver's seat. I know that I'm just a kid. So there are some things that I'm not going to get and I'm not going to try to get. I'm just going to be focused on what it is that I do understand. And if I learn it, fine. And if you teach me, fine. But if you don't, I'm so content in just being a kid that it doesn't matter to me, you know? And so I think there's this verse in 1 Corinthians 13 that says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. I put these childish things behind me. And so in one in one regard, it, it there is this concept of like how you grow in the word. You put away those habits and those ways that are unproductive and that are not wise for you anymore. Um, there comes a time, and this is biblical as well, where where we as believers stop drinking milk and we we mature to table food, to some some hard stuff, some stuff that we can chew on, and. That's not to say that we don't remain childlike in some regards, but in other regards, we get our minds right. You know, I'm not going to, if I know that that thing makes me sick, if I know that maybe cookies for breakfast, you know, isn't the smartest thing, even though I have a craving for that, I'm not going to continue to live my life in a way that's destructive to me. It might feel good at the moment, but I know that those things aren't, they aren't good for me. But having this wonderment and this awe of God and really like leaning into the Lord and and being wide-eyed and bushy-tailed and being infatuated and entertained and just happy to belong. You know, a kid is happy to belong to their parents. In In a kid's eyes, their parents can do no wrong. And in that same way, like that's how we should regard God, you know? And so I think also, I don't know how many of you guys have dealt with a kid who like has their mind made up about something. 
they want this specific toy and that's it. And they're gonna keep asking you for the toy. They're gonna interrupt you while you talk. They are going to um, beg you. They are gonna be a broken record. The toy, the toy, the toy, the toy, the toy. They, they have a one track mind when it comes to that toy. That's all that they can think about. You know, that's all they want. And they know exactly who to go to to ask for it. I think for me, that's the main thing about that childlike faith. It's just like, not being afraid to ask my Abba over and over and over and over and over again for the thing that I want because I know that he has it and I know that he's going to give it to me because he's a good dad who loves me. That helps me not to be scatterbrained because I'm one. I'm focused on one thing. I'm focused on one being and all else kind of just dissipates. Um, there's this scripture that says that whoever doesn't gather scatters. And so in that same way, I think whoever is not gathering their thoughts and bringing their thoughts to the Lord is scattering their thoughts everywhere. They're a scatterbrain. It's just that they don't have any discipline when it comes to their thoughts and their actions. They just, whatever, like whatever whim they're on, wherever they want to go, they're the God of their universe. And they're just poof, poof, gone with it. There is, and I don't know if you guys know about this, but there is a window of opportunity. And this refers to a child's development and the way that a child's brain develops. And so I'm going to read this short excerpt um, about the window of opportunity. It says this, there are windows of opportunity when your child's brain is highly susceptible to environmental experiences. During the ages of zero and 10, your child's brain forms trillions of connections, many of which will be discarded throughout your child's life as the brain eliminates connections that are seldom or never used. Your child will preserve only those connections that are reinforced through heightened experience. Further, those connections not stimulated by mental and physical experiences are discarded or pruned away. It is those mental and physical sensory experiences by themselves that establish the critical windows of opportunity in your child's evolving brain. When your child repeats an experience, it establishes a track in his or her brain. And if that experience is repeated consistently, the synaptic lesson will not be reversed. If these critical times for learning are missed, they may never be recovered. So here we have this concept, either you catch it through ages zero and 10 or you do not and this is critical in how we develop as children of God it's like this idea that if you do not reinforce something that you've learned through experience then you're just you're not gonna get it and so I think sometimes we get so frustrated with God because we're like trial after trial after trial after trial. And he's like, I'm trying to reinforce something. I'm trying to establish something in your mind, your body and your spirit. I'm trying to show you something about who it is that I am. I'm trying to create this physical sensory experience so that you learn, you know, we learn by reinforcement. And so whether it's positive or or negative. And so in that same way, I think that's another way that we approach God and having the mind of Christ in a childlike way. It's like, I'm a sponge. I'm soaking up everything that you have for me to soak up. 
because I don't want to depart from this. The word says, train up a child in the way that they should go. When they get older, they're not going to depart. So there may be a time where they stray away, but rest assured, if you train them up as a child, they're going to return back. And I'm a living witness that I've returned back into the fold because of the seeds that were planted in me when I was quite young. And so here's the last point that I want to make. The word talks about how we are a slave to whatever controls us and how we shouldn't be slaves to our flesh or our emotions, but we should be slaves of God. I would suggest that you seek God about how you can be a slave to him. And if that language is too weighty for you, you're probably not ready to be fully and utterly submitted to God in the first place because you still want your freedom too much. It's one of those things where it's like you really take into... And this is when you need the Holy Spirit. And you need to be absolutely in love with God. Whoever tries to keep their life or save their life will lose it. Whoever gives their life will save it. These are concepts of the kingdom. So it's this idea that like whoever is so in love with this down here, they're not going to inherit the kingdom because they've already fallen in love with the things of the world. They've already fallen in love with instant gratification, so they don't get to experience the fruit of delayed gratification. You have to give up the autonomy of the flesh. The flesh is like, I can do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. I don't I don't want discipline. I don't crave discipline. I just crave what I crave, and I want what I want when I want it, and that's that. And so when you become a slave of God, you lock your flesh up. <laughs> you decide what your flesh will do. I know people who've been to prison who have had transformative life experiences that have completely changed the trajectory of their life for the better. And conversely, I've known people who've gone to prison and had these life experiences that have traumatized them and have changed the trajectory of their life for the worse. And it's one of those things where it's like, you can make your captivity whatever it is that you want to make it. If you don't have a strong mind, you can't get through anything. <laughs> you can, you won't get through anything. If you don't have a strong mind, the woes of life will chew you up and spit you out. And that'll just be that. And so I think having the mind of Christ means having a resolve. That look, while I'm here, I'm going to do whatever I can in order to make this thing count. If I'm going to be locked up, I'm going to make this thing work for me. I'm not going to become a slave to my emotions or a slave to my flesh or let my flesh tell me what to do or who to be or who to love or where to go or what to do, who to take advantage of. Like I'm not going to allow my flesh to dictate the course of my life. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to dictate the course of my life, to guide me, to help me. There's something very special that happens in solitude. There's something very special that happens when you are in the presence of God, when you're forced, when you're forced to completely trust God as your banner, as your protector, as your sovereign king, as your Lord of Lords. There's something that happens in you that cannot be challenged. And so if I could give anybody any piece of advice to help you to have a one track mind when it comes to the things of God, it would be this. There's only one thing that matters, and that's Christ and him crucified. You know, Paul said, like, I know a lot. I know a lot, and I count all of it as trash. The only thing that really matters is Christ and him crucified. And the older I get and the more experiences I have, I always come back to that point. Jesus and his blood. I always come back to that point. 
God and his sacrifice. I always come back to that point. Life and life more abundantly. I always come back to Jesus. I, I mean, it just, he's hes it. He's the point. He is the point. And so when you fix your mind on that, it's like one of those things. I don't know if any of you guys have been entranced in Instagram, but like an hour will pass by and I'll be like, I've literally watched maybe 80 videos of girls doing their makeup on my Instagram feed. Like an an entire hour has passed. I've been so focused and so enamored on this one thing that everything else has had to wait. The thing about focusing on God is that everything else prospers and everything else is given. Like you're given this perspective and this power to tackle everything else when your gaze is on God. He's the thing that makes everything else make sense. He's the thing that helps you get through everything else. And so I think so often we become frustrated because we're trying to do everything else apart from God. We compartmentalize our relationship with God and everything else and decide when and where and why and in what capacity we're going to bring God in. And that's not how it should work. You can't do anything apart from him. It's like me trying to do something outside of my body. It's like me trying to do something outside of myself. It is literally impossible. Anything that I do, I have to be able to do it in my body, <laughs> you know? And so God needs our willingness. He needs our complicity. He needs our yes. And um, if he's pursuing your heart right now, you should feel really great about yourself. You should be really happy because he doesn't have to choose you. And he doesn't choose everybody. He loves everybody, but he doesn't choose everybody. The Bible says that many are called, few are chosen. And I believe because God loves every one of his children that he chooses some so that we might go and choose others, so that we might make disciples, so that we might be about our father's business. And that is the great commission. And so I want to end with this prayer and encourage you to keep going, to keep submitting, to keep reading. Look, the book of James, y'all. It's one of them ones that you can stay stuck on for a really long time. I come back to James constantly because it is so convicting. And every time I read it, I learn something new about myself and about God. It is such an engaging word. And please do yourself a favor. If you have the Bible app, the YouVersion app, listen to the message translation of James. It is so rich. It is so, so rich. There are so many quotables in it. And I believe that it'll bless you. So I'm going to end with this prayer. And here are the main ideas. Be like a kid (laughs) in the right ways. Do not have a scatterbrain. Have a one-track mind when it comes to the things of God. Truly engage God in every single area of your life. You have a window of opportunity to learn everything that you can learn about God. So don't take that lightly. Be so in awe and so enamored with the things of God that they have your undivided attention. Lord, thank you so much for everything, (laughs) everything that you are and everything that you do and how perfect you are in, in all of your ways. Thank you that you've chosen us. Thank you that you're intentional 
that you are a romantic, that you are infatuated, that you made us with a purpose in mind. And even if that purpose hasn't been necessarily revealed to us yet, and even if we feel like we're not walking in the fulfillment of your promises, even if we feel like we're missing it, that we're not getting it, I just thank you that you're so good, that your word says that if any man like lacks wisdom, all he has to do is ask you. And you don't give anything begrudgingly. You give it freely. And so, Lord, give us wisdom. Give us discernment, God, to do what it is that you've called us to do to walk this thing out. It's not easy. It's hard. It's hard, hard work. But I thank you that you're with us every step of the way. You're so good. You're so merciful. You're so kind. And we love you so much. If anybody is listening to this, and you feel God tucking on your heart, and you want to know him deeply, all you have to do is repeat this prayer after me. God, I have sinned. I have been far from you, but you haven't been far from me. You love me. You made me. You're for me. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ is Lord. I will follow you. I put all of my childish old ways behind me. And I thank you that you're going to walk with me through the rest of my life. And I thank you that I'll get to spend eternity with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, get excited for all that God is doing and all that is about to manifest in the earth because of his presence, because of his spirit, because there are people all around the world praying this one prayer, Lord, bring heaven down. Let heaven come down. Let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So I love you guys so much. If you have any testimonies that you want to share, any questions, any concerns, any topics you'd like to hear addressed, please email me at kadu.mitch at gmail.com. That's K-E-D-U dot M-I-T-C-H at gmail.com. You can connect with me, mitchandgunner.com, thecocohue.com, Mitch and Gunner on Instagram, thecocohue on Instagram. There are so many ways to connect with me. So please do that. I look forward to hearing from you guys. And I pray that you have a fantastic day. Love you so much. Bye-bye.